Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast with Keishi Yuri. This is episode 54. And uh, Keishi, let's jump in. Let's see what we got for today. Yeah, so I'm drinking um, I'm drinking the Craft Cola by, by Poca Sapporo. Okay. Um, I think we had a drink from this brand here before. I don't know which one it was, but I, I see them in the vending machines every now and then. Spice Factory? Yeah, it's Spice Factory. I, I don't know if the Spice Factory is some sort of company that they collaborated with, or it's probably just a thing that they slapped on the label because it looked nice. But actually, when you drink the when you drink this cola, it's it very spicy. spicy. Yeah. Oh wow! I mean, that, does that make for a good drink? I never heard of a spicy drink. <laughs> no, it, it tastes really good because oh, at, wow. at the end of the day, I think like a real real cola is just a bunch of spices, right? I guess. And and here and here you can actually kind of like it tastes like like actual spice. Okay. But it's really good. What would you rate it as? Yeah, eight, eight point five out of ten. Okay, so that's a high for you. Usually, you give it eight, seven, or five. Yeah, maybe I, I just I, I like cola in general. I don't taste okay. Tastes okay. pretty good. How about you? What are you drinking? I got a guava drink. Is it juice? I can't tell. Well, but you know, as you can see on the bottle, by Okinawa bot- bottlers. So it's a nice. straight up Okinawan drink. Uh, nice pink label, and it does look. Well, it's a little darker in, in color um, as opposed to the the actual drink is a little darker and darkish pink than actual cover. Yeah. I guess it's, it's 10% juice, as it says on the yeah. label. But it tastes quite good. Um, nice. Did you get it at the um, at the National Lawson? As of course. Of course. You're, you're their brand ambassador. <laughs> I am. Uh, and I'll do it for free. You know, there's one thing is like, there's some brands that I really like that I'll, if I had the chance, I would do commercials for free for them. And one of them is Snickers. Snickers, if you're out there, <laughs> put me in as an actor, I'll do it for free. Yeah, Snickers is good. I do it for Kit Kat as well. I think Kit Kat's one of those brands. I do it for um, Coca-Cola, although I, I don't think they need any more advertising. So <laughs> but, yeah. they have the Olympics. Um, but, but the drink is not bad. Uh, give it like a seven or seven out of ten or six point eight out of ten. There's some like something about the. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm giving it a little bit of a lower score. I guess because uh, well, I'm stupid for saying this, but guava is quite sweet, <laughs> and I'm not a big into like super sweet drinks. Yeah. But I can see how someone would like this, and I I would like it. Another version of me would definitely like it. So it's still pretty good. Yeah, I, I think Guaja is good. I think, yeah, I, th- I think Okinawa is nice because they have all these um, kind of tropical fruits compared to the rest of Japan. I remember we went there a couple of years back with my um, family and girlfriend and uh, went to like a pineapple farm. Mm-hmm. The farm's pineapple song is still ringing in my head every now and then. <laughs> it, it just repeats like pineapple, pineapple, pineapple. <laughs> like, I mean, the other drink at the Natural Austin was also pineapple. And the, nowadays they have pineapple flavored water, which I had yesterday, which is very good. Oh, interesting. That one I give like a nine or a ten. Nice. I should have brought it, but since I had it yesterday, I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> do a repeat. Yeah. All right. So um, let's segue back. What do you? What have you been doing? Lately? Yeah, so, so I guess one thing um, I, I should mention here, because it's directly related to this, um, I started reading the Not Necessarily Rocket Science book. Okay. I don't think I've got as far as, as you did yet. Um, I'm somewhere on chapter six now. I read it a bit yesterday. Yeah, so, so I read the first three chapters, which are essentially kind of a recap of, I guess, the history of human race in general, and then um, of kind of the space age. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so far I'm, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying reading it. Um, not, not much new information, because I've read a bunch of um, different stuff on those topics, but it's always nice to get reminded of those. It gets a little bit better. Stories. It gets a little bit better, because I too was like, I mean, not that I have, not that I know in full detail the history of um, rockets, rocket, you know, rocket science, no, not rocket, <laughs> the, the history of space flight and how we got yeah. from being uh, cave dwellers to shooting people out into space. But like, it, it gets pretty interesting later on. And I don't want to spoil it for you because the lady comes from a non-science background. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I think from from chapter four, actually, it's supposed to get a, um, more directly related to her life rather than kind of general history. Yeah, so, so I'm really excited about getting there um, and, and starting reading that part. But um, but but even then, I think it's always nice to kind of recap this in in a way general knowledge, I guess. But still, it's nice stories. Yeah, so I, I'm reading that right now. I read it a bit yesterday. I'm also um, re- still reading this. You should you should test that. What is that? It's a it's a book on A/B testing on the principles of A/B testing. You know, actually, I, I've been sucking at reading this past year. I don't think I've finished quite as many books but maybe it's still a good thing because nowadays i'm like trying to use 
and apply and retain information rather than yeah. just read it and forget about it. Yeah, my, my my girlfriend's always like, "You're very, um, very uh, in, in Japanese, I guess, majime." Me? Yeah, because every now and then, like, you, you post these things on Instagram stories or or what is it, Facebook stories or whatever, whatever it's called. Yeah. And like every now and then, I look for Facebook and I see it. I'm like, "Oh, look, Yuri's uh, at cafe studying again." I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I call it studying. I'm just like, it's like reading. Like to me, it's kind of a pleasure. You know, it's like spending. Like actually, I was here. I was at the cafe earlier today for like an hour. Yeah. Because, you know, while you were, because um, we were going to start later, right? So, yeah. So I went to the cafe and like, I don't know, I, I don't consider it like being Majime and just like, I just, I, I just need like an hour of like quiet time to do some reading, writing and thinking and mindless swiping through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I think that's great. I think, um, again, I, I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve by reading. But again, if, you, if you're trying to learn new strategies or, or new things and, and you're trying to actually um, retain them and yeah. apply them, then I think, I think what you're doing is great. And again, as, as we've talked a number of times here, um, I used to even not um, highlight anything in a book or not even write into a book because I, I guess I considered the book sacred and I, <laughs> and I didn't want to destroy it. Hmm. But now I just love writing in the margins and putting down notes and, and, and trying to read a bit more, I guess you could say actively in a way. Yeah. I, I think you're way ahead. But but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it makes the, one, it makes the reading experience more enjoyable. I you're, you're not just kind of sitting there and trying to like go through the words, but you're actually trying to to identify what's important and what's interesting and kind of what 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 is your take on that and, and how does it apply? Yeah. Um, and and two, I, th- I think it just helps you remember the information more. And and I, th- I think what you're doing with like the the mind maps and stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's really cool and, and it's like you go back to it and I, I would guess because because you actually drew, drew it out and, and things like that, you will you look at some parts of it and be like, oh, okay, so this is when they were talking about X or this is when they were talking about Y and this is why it's important and this is how it applies and so on. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it helps a lot with retention and being able to, I guess, recall the information. Um, and, and I find just underlying some passages and jotting down some notes in, in the in the margin to be in a way similar, although not nowhere near um, at, at the level, I guess, of, of what you're doing, which, which I think is really cool. But I, I wouldn't call it a level. It's like right now, all I do is before I start a chapter, I'll glance at the table of contents and I'll like write out the layout or I'll do a mind map of what's in the chapter. Yeah. Then as I'm reading it, blah, blah, blah. And as I finish that chapter, I'll, again, like on the like last page, usually, you know, the the chapter will end like at the top of the page or in the middle of the page or some blank space, somewhere in there, hopefully. And I'll rewrite out that uh, mind map or redraw that mind map. And then I'll start filling in little details of what they mentioned in there. Yeah. That was interesting. So I don't know. I, I mean, like this, uh, with this book, it's also... Um, because you got to implement this stuff, like A-B tests. So I can tell you off the top of my head, like what the book is about. It's I think I, we talked about this earlier, but here's a re- quick recap. It's it's uh, the author's meth- like approach to A-B testing. And the way it works is like if, if you think about like a landing page or whatever, um, there's a value proposition, right? Yeah. So we have a lift model. So a lift model is like imagine a plane where the value proposition is the plane. And then there are a few factors can can weigh it down or make it go up. So like this is an acronym I came up with, like U R A C D. So U is urgency, R is uh, relevance, A is anxiety, C is clarity, and D is distractions. So um, for example, anxiety and distractions will weigh the blame down. Yeah. Urgency, relevance, clarity. If I'm missing something else, U R. Yeah, I have. Them. Yeah, I have them. Will weigh will like make the plane go up, right? Yeah. We'll, at least boost the plane up, so like add some urgency, add some clarity. So it's, that's the approach. And in, in every chapter, they go like through one letter at a time. They also go about um, ex- explaining how to identify where and what to test first, because obviously, you know, you you don't want to A/B test on things on pages where it doesn't matter. So right now, I think today I was going through clarity, like design clarity and copy clarity. Yeah. And yeah, so it's pretty interesting. But obviously, like I'm I'm to take this like take down all the notes once I'm done and just like start looking at my own website and be like, all right, what can I, where can I apply this? Or even at work, I can always apply this at work. So the, the next step is just like to apply this stuff. Cause in this, with this particular book, it's not exactly in read and implement. It's like, all right, you have, you have to open up a channel to implement. You have to go, you know, go back home, take the notes, yeah. start looking at the website, be like, all right, how can I improve this and go with that framework? Yeah. That's, that's cool. I, I, I think um, like a lot, a lot of the books that we, tend to read tend to be um 
I guess not necessarily, uh, or at least in my case, I, I think you're you're reading a, a bit more of these uh, actionable books than than I am. But like this book sounds really um, sounds like something that you can take and again, especially in your case, because essentially it's uh, it's part of your job, I guess, right? Doing a lot of copywriting and things yeah. like that. Actually, I don't do much optimization at work, but I think it's an area where I can pop into. Because, you know, that's the thing, like, there has to be a, a proper, like, a scientific approach to this. Yeah. And it's very easy to go willy-nilly and be like, all right, let's test this, let's test that, and just go on a testing spree without really considering why you're doing it, if it if it's even important. And so that, that's, you know, so the next question is, you know, how do you consider what's important and how do you approach it? Because it's very easy to go and run A-B tests and waste time and energy. Yeah. And I know that from personal experience, because in email, it's like quite easy to do that. You just set up an A-B test. And if you, if you go about that approach, like you put in like, you'll do a lot of tests and you won't get any much meaningful results. Maybe once in a while you crack, crack something open. But for the most part, it's just like you did a lot of work with not a lot of results to show for it. Yeah. So, so it sounds like we'll have to do an episode on A-B testing sometime in the future. Sure. Have you ever done it before? No, actually, that's one of the things that um, I've never that, that I never took the time to um, try, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's partly because I don't rely on um, on affiliate stuff as much mm-hmm. in, in my blogs. It's, it's more about that. So it's more about just getting um, as much traffic as possible and aggregate kind of. Yeah. And not necessarily thinking about the conversion rates. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but that said, um, I, I think it's important um, skill, and especially if... Um, like if, if if I ever want to expand my site beyond just display ads being the primary um, thing, and, and and whether it's selling my own products or whether it's selling more affiliate stuff just beyond um, Amazon, which is what I'm doing right now, yeah. Then I think it becomes really important, and, and and even for sites I guess that rely on even on Amazon for, for yeah for a fair bit of their revenue for for a large chunk of their revenue, um, it's really there's always important. something you can do. There's always something you can do to boost conversion. I think. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah, in my case, I'm more. Um, I guess one of the things that I look at every now and then is which pages have highest um, earnings per per visitor in terms mm-hmm. of ads. And like you, like I think it's similar because um, at, at the end of the day, even with ads, the companies are just trying to sell more stuff, and like people are more willing to to buy stuff if, if they're searching for something about buying stuff, right? So yeah. So like how to how to clean your dog might not pay as high an RPM as as um shampoo company com, again as shampoo company a versus company b or or as shampoo x review or something right yeah so, so i think you kind of tend to see the same patterns within the ad payout rates as you would see in terms of conversion rates because because i guess at the end of the day it makes sense regardless of what the form is whether it's an affiliate link or or a display ad um, a company is just trying to sell more of its stuff you know? yeah oh yeah we could do an episode later on that i don't, I don't promise i'll be an expert on it <laughs> but i'll definitely like try it and like Come up with a cheat sheet after I'm done with it, just to like um, jog my memory and keep it fresh. Yeah, I, I think the listeners will um, benefit. Um, I'll definitely benefit because it's something I'm interested in, and um, I, I, know, I know very little about, close to nothing. Um, and then I, I think also you'll benefit from just being able to recap what, what you read in the book and, and, and also from some of your past experiences, perhaps. Um, Again, you, you can't learn something unless you try to teach to somebody else or whatever the saying goes. So, or do it, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, right, so, it, so it's a deal. It's a, it's a deal. Also, um, I guess the big news, uh, my girlfriend and I decided to get married next month. That's some big news. Yeah. So, um, But we're not going to be doing a big wedding, just um, just dinner with parent, her parents, my parents, and her um, family, assuming my mom can come here. And, and that's also what we're choosing. Like, all right, so what do we get instead of rings? Because there's no way I'm going to wear a ring. Why not? Uh, it's like, I, I hate having things on me. I don't. I don't wear hats. I don't wear sunglasses. I hate wearing my glasses, even though I, I see much better with them. <laughs> so, so, so we decided to get what to, to get a watch for me, and and we got her. But you still have to. You still gonna wear a watch? <laughs> yeah, but you, you see, that, that, that's the thing that I I found fascinating is like essentially until I went and, and started shopping for watches yesterday and today. Mm-hmm. Like I, I viewed them as essentially fashion accessory and and a thing that gives you the same information that your smartphone does. Mm-hmm. But then, like looking at the different watches and like different technologies that's out there and stuff like that, it's like pretty fascinating piece of engineering. I, I got really excited because first I was looking at a bunch of like um, Japanese made ones. I think it was like Seiko. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, they're, they're pretty nice. And like, you hear about the different technologies and there's like, of course, there's there's like the quartz ones, which essentially are like, um, I guess, electronic or, um, or you, you put in battery or they're solar powered or whatever. But then there's these mechanical watches, right? Which you kind of have to, um, whatever, you have to wind them or, or whatever it's called because they've got a spring inside and yeah. like the thing moves. And it's like, they look at it and it's a pretty fascinating piece of machinery, but I was still like, okay, um, yeah, I mean it's 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 nice, but uh, like I'll, I'll wear it occasionally. But but then um, I went and th- that's also the other thing with watches is like <laughs> essentially the ceiling is unlimited, mm-hmm. and I guess like the more expensive stuff you see, the more expensive stuff you want. Yeah. And um, I found this made by a company called I don't know how I think it's pronounced Longin. I think it's a Swiss company, and like they had a picture of a pilot behind the showcase. Hmm. Uh, and they had this nice watch. They had this nice watch, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is really cool." And and, and then the guy, my girlfriend, was like, "Oh, he likes airplanes." And, and the guy that's selling the um, the watches was like, "Yeah, I like cars too." And it's like people that like cars, trains, and and planes, like they oftentimes really like watches too, because it's kind of connected. And 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 then I then I started thinking about kind of the story behind it, and, and I started reading about the history of the brand, and it's like um, or like Howard Hughes and uh, Charles Lindbergh and whoever wore the brand. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, like really cool. It's like these people are whatever crossing the Atlantic, and like, they use this brand brand's watches to to figure out how long it took them and stuff like that. And and, and I think that's when you realize like how how important watches actually are, just kind of in I guess in the society in general. They're kind of a status symbol, you know. It's a, if you go to a fancy restaurant, I think you know, like I guess wealthy people don't exactly go on full display with everything with how much they own and whatnot. Yeah, they have, but usually like a nice watch is a telltale sign. Yeah, nice yeah. watch is very discreet, like they're very low key. But like if someone knows the brand, then they know, like, oh, you paid a lot of money for that. Yeah, I think that that's definitely one side of it. But I think the other side is just kind of from the purely um, mechanical or technical or whatever perspective. Mm-hmm. This is like fine piece of engineering. If you think about it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And again, I I, I never wore watches. <laughs> I, I prefer digital watches when it comes to reading time, definitely. Um, but, but, but yeah, I, I was pretty excited by the, by the end of the shopping session. Still, still waiting to hear whether they can engrave something into the back, which I thought would be nice. Mm-hmm. How much? Um, it's 270,000 yen, so two, two and a half grand. So, okay. It's, All right. it's yeah, it's, 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 it's more pricey than my MacBook, I guess, but <laughs> it, it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's nice. It's, it's meant to last for decades, right? And, and it's, a, it's a piece of, um, I guess it's like um, something to um, to remember the occasion. Yeah, I guess it's a better, slightly better investment than a uh, ring, which is going to lose half its value immediately uh, upon sale, selling, upon purchase, you know? Yeah, so I, I was talking about with my girlfriend about this, because um, <laughs> I also asked the guy, I'm like, so, so how many people do actually come here and we were at one of the department stores and I was like, so how many people actually come in and buy the 40, 50 grand watches a, mm. a week or a month? And he's like, oh, you'd be surprised. We, we sell one almost every day. Like, oh. well, but, but then again, that, that, that's when they start looking at it like an investment, right? It's like you buy a 40 grand watch or whatever and you sell it for 45 or 50 or 100. Yeah. And he, he was telling about how the, um, yeah, actually I found the, the entire kind of, um, the entire, industry pretty fascinating <laughs> based on my crash course today in, in, in the hour or two or, or three that i was um sh- shopping because the like 40 50 grand watches are made out of um, gold or like precious metals yeah like a lot, a lot of them he was saying even like rolex are a lot of them are still made out of um, stainless steel so it's not like that value appreciates that much mm-hmm. but like some of the high-end models that are like 40 50 grand are oftentimes made out of gold or whatever other metals that um that are really valuable and like um j- just by the fact that the price of these metals can sometimes go up like it's essentially that piece can that, that um that, that watch can gain a lot of value yeah so yeah i, I thought it's pretty fascinating um and i i wouldn't have expected them to to sell um this many of them mm, you'd be surprised in, in one department right. store but but again i guess if you're looking at it as, as an investment then, then why not sounds like i have to get myself a watch yeah I, I got this one you should post it up in the show notes so people know what you're uh talking about but yeah, at, at the end of the day it was the story <laughs> my girlfriend was like i saw your face light up because yeah because like the guy started talking about aviation this mm-hmm. good sales guy <laughs> but um but it, it, it's funny like you look at the like $500 stuff or whatever, and you think, oh, it's nice. And you look at, like, a $10 watch, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. T- tells you the time. <laughs> and then you look at, like, a $1,000 watch, and, like, 20 
$30,000. The, the sky is the limit. And found it pretty fascinating. And again, I, I, I was never like a watch guy or anything. But, but um, I, I think after today, I have a real appreciation for j- just the mechanics of it. it, it it's, a, it's a nice piece of engineering. Yeah. Well, it's like the first thing you're going to start wearing. Usually, you're not a big wearer of things. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I have to see um, if we can engrave something into it. And if not, I'll just go buy it. Um, if we can, it, it will take a while to, to get it. Yeah. But in any case, yeah, I, I got pretty excited about it by, by the end of the shopping session. All right. Well, I guess congratulations is in order. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, also shopping for the necklace was pretty interesting. How so? Because it, it's another one of those things where, like, <laughs> like they, they had this showcase and it was like the further to the right you go <laughs> the more expensive things get ah uh, yeah, yeah yeah it's like it started left end and it slowly moved to the right and it's like <laughs> you, you, you have to stop somewhere the more the more you go you know to the right you're like all right i can't afford any of this stuff this is like this is worth the house this is worth my rent this is worth blah 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 yeah exactly some of the yeah some of the stuff's crazy but um that, that, that was pretty interesting experience too. Like we were shot. I, I think we were there for like three hours or a bit more than three hours. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I learned a lot about a couple of different things. But the, the, the thing that struck me the most is um, so we're in the department store. So we looked at kind of the general floor there. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a separate Tiffany's store. Yeah. And we went to the Tiffany's and they had some nice stuff. But um, but then we went back into the kind of the general area and I was talking, we were talking with one of the. Um, I guess with the girl that eventually ended up selling us the, the one that we bought. So, so I asked her, I'm like, so what do you think is better, your brand or Tiffany's? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like point blank. And, and she's like, yeah, to be honest, T- Tiffany is like a, a status symbol in a way, right? Mm-hmm. I have this brand, whatever. And then our brand doesn't spend much on marketing and so on. And that's why, I guess if you look at things that are the same price, then I believe that our things are higher quality. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a pretty smart argument. I was like, like, if you look at something, let's say it costs whatever thousand dollars, and then one brand spends forty percent on marketing it, and the other brand doesn't spend much on marketing, they clearly have more money to, well, either to keep, keep as profit, or, or hopefully to also procure like higher quality materials. Or, uh, or I, mean, I mean, when you say when you say statements like that, my my marketing ears perk up. I used to back in the day, like when I was doing internships back in college in New York, I was working. I was doing an internship at a, um, I think it was insurance slash finance, like investments, mutual funds type of place. And we had a, I guess the, the boss or whoever it was at that time, well, sure, I don't know. But he said like they, they do no marketing whatsoever because our reason X, Y, and Z, I guess they can't track it. And I don't know what it was like back in like 2000, what is it? What was it like five, 2006 or seven? I'm pretty sure yeah. you track it back then, but it was, he was a very old school kind of guy. So maybe he has his own way of doing things uh but you know it's like just you know making a statement like oh we don't spend any marketing we don't spend any money on marketing so we have money to a lot towards other places whereas a company that does spend money on marketing i don't know if it's like a zero-sum game you know because like because there could be the, the the chance that they're making more money with marketing so they have plenty of money to put in if not more towards uh, everything else including uh the product itself yeah I, I, yeah again i i i'm not sure about um, whether it's 100 percent true or not and, and i think it also varies by industry especially when you look at like products that are essentially a bracelet or a necklace is a is a piece of commodity right it's like, yeah. it's like gold and, and a bunch of um, stones or whatever and um whereas in, in the service industry i think it's, it's a bit different because like you deliver the service and you're probably not going to pay your staff much more than you would normally. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like there's the difference in a way, but but I still feel, feel like regardless, it's like the, the, there is the fundamental fact that the less you spend on marketing, the more you have to spend, the more money you have left over. It, it's, especially when it's something that's like quantity based, like when it's something like a necklace or when it's something like I, I don't know, like wooden furniture or something, where essentially have you have the cost of goods sold and, and some margin on top of that. Uh-huh. Then, then I think in, in that sort of businesses, it you know. It probably works more closely to to what she was describing than than in the kind of business you were talking, which okay. is more service based business. But, okay. but at, the same, at the same time, I agree. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because also... like, at, at that point, it's like arguing. Um, no, well, not arguing, but at that point, it's like it's a matter of scale, right? Like at which level or which um, profit or uh, call, whatever profits and costs level they're operating at. Obviously, if you're not spending any money on marketing. And let's say you're making a thousand, like a thousand bucks in sales a month, just to keep it, uh, like after after costs, making just to keep it simple. After you make a thousand bucks a month, where someone that's uh, using money on marketing 
and they're able to get an oversized return, which allows them to sell more. I don't know. At that point, it's it's like it, that's where the question marks start popping up because, like you know, if you're able to get an outsized return based on your marketing um, efforts, then you're probably pulling more profit. Of course, like it starts getting very complicated, but that's where my disagreement lies. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But and, and again, I'm, I'm not saying Tiffany is bad or whatever. I'm, I'm sure they're really good. And and like regardless of what money you pay, probably it's quality. Yeah. The the the, the other thing that I thought as as we were shopping for this for for the necklace and, and for the for the watch was like seeing seeing how these things work. It's like I can understand why people want to get richer and richer and richer, kind of without a, an end inside. Yeah. It's almost like those two two cases are like the kind of like the the best example for it is like like I was telling you that the more you go to the right, it's like the more expensive it gets and the bigger the diamonds get and the the more gold there is and and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's like unless you can say, all right, this is enough at some point, then like everybody just wants to keep going to the right without even knowing why they want to go to the to the right and and further to the right and further to the right because they deserve the best and they want the best it just kind of becomes an endless um, pursuit of of more i guess without, without any any rational reason beyond just, i i want a bigger piece of diamond or i want a i want a nicer watch or something yeah so um yeah as it's i think i mentioned here my grandpa passed away a few weeks back a couple of weeks back Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking for like some old photos and I was like, oh, it would be cool to digitize all these photos. And like he went to, again, like I, I found some um, aviation photos he had from when he went to Europe like 50 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Like, really, for, for someone like me who's an aircraft geek, it's like really cool stuff with like aircraft that I, I'd pay a lot of money to fly on essentially t- today. Um, so, so I was like, oh, it would be cool to scan these photos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it, it, would, it would kind of be cool to just digitize all the old um analog photo prints that are laying around the around grandma's house and also around my parents house in Slovakia and and I was like yeah so, so I should get a scanner and like the last time I bought scanner or the last time my dad bought scanner or whatever it's like years ago it's like 10 okay. years ago or 20 years ago and back then I know that there was quite a quite a big choice of scanners but now I googled for scanners and there's so few of them because I guess nobody uses scanners anymore it's like those that wanted to scan their photos already did so and um, <laughs> and um, those that need to scan documents, you just take a photo with smartphone and you're done. Yeah. So it's like I guess the scanners are like the film cameras. Of <laughs> Surely you could do it with a with your phone, right? Yeah, but, but obviously you won't get the same quality. Yeah, but it's not as nice. So so, so in the end, I bought a, a scanner. There are still a few different models, mm-hmm. but the the choice is like so limited compared to what I remember. It's more than ten years. <laughs> so so I found it interesting how some technologies just like become obsolete and not even necessarily mm. like scanners are still used and like yeah there's a big choice of scanners for like offices like the multifunctional like printer scanner copier kind of machines yeah but like the consumer scanners consumer type scanners like that a typical person would buy like a general private person would buy yeah i found the choice to to be really limited to <laughs> compared to what i remember it but uh but yeah, in the end i got a scanner and, and i started scanning some of the photos and i think it's really cool it's like some of these photos that um that um that i found in my grandparents place like um from 1969 are really um vintage stuff <laughs> yeah it is interesting how some of this technology is just kind of fading away with time there's no like giant announcement hey everyone scanners are going away you kind of like notice one day when you kind of on a rare chance you need something scanned yeah exactly you notice it and then you're like what did it happen and they're like oh okay so it's probably because nobody's using scanners anymore yeah like because for documents you can you can use your phone and for photos i guess nobody's even thinking about scanning film uh film photos yeah. or, or screen photos us, yeah nowadays everyone's taking pictures with their iphones yeah and exactly. androids but for older stuff yeah that's where you need it Exactly. So I, I thought that it's just another one of my shopping adventures <laughs> of the last past few weeks. My only shopping adventure is this new iPhone. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you got a new one. That's, yeah, iPhone 12. So how, how do you find it? Because I think before you had the one with, 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 the, um, with the home button, right? Yeah. And I, found it very, I found it very uncomfortable at first, but now I, now I trust it. At first I was like, how can I use a phone that doesn't have a button? Which one do you have? Uh, I think it's the 11 Pro or something. It doesn't have the home button? No, it's it's okay. screen only. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's it's. Uh, I don't think it took quite took a lot to start getting used to it. Um, as long you know, like I think iPhone. You know, I have to hand it to Apple and iPhone. They really designed their stuff well. Like the moment out of the box, 
it's kind of ready to go, you know, if, if you have iCloud set up, <clears throat> if you have iCloud and everything set up, it's just a matter of pressing yes, next, next, and done. And then it, it shows you, like, you know, it'll tell you, like, you know, swipe up and hold, for example, or swipe up and to the, to yeah. the left. So it didn't really take much uh, getting used to at all, which is the surprising part. Usually, so, I mean, there's a learning curve for some, some things, I'm pretty sure, but, like, for the most part, I was up and running. The only issue was that this one was sim free so like it's like i had to like i was like all right how do i take out the sim from my old one <laughs> and i'm like all right let me try a, a toothpick didn't work i'm like crap let me try a needle didn't work i'm like all right I, oh wait I need, the, the new iphone didn't come with a box and with the oh it did i just hold on a second i didn't get to that yet <laughs> so the thing is like all right crap I, I need i need a i need one of those sim openers the sim needle tool, yeah. whatever it's called so I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. I'll order it on Amazon, and then I also go back to my Apple friend and talk to him. I was like, by the way, you should check the box. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. But that was like the only thing, you know, the, the only thing um, to get around. So it's a very seamless process, and I paid a lot less money than I usually do. Normally, like, I, maybe because I'm a foreigner, I have to pay up front. Um, there's the choice you can pay up front yeah. or you can pay. You can have the price of the iPhone cut up into forever, however long your contract is, yeah. and it's like you pay a bit a month, but that only also drives up your um, monthly payments for your phone bill. So either, I mean, the point is, I don't care. I'd rather pay up money up front than like elevate my, uh, I don't know, costs elsewhere. I don't know. Just simpler to think about it that way. Yeah, I know it's the same thing ultimately, but who knows? I haven't done the math on that. But this time, because he had like the app, the Apple friends and family discount because it's cheaper with the sim i actually paid a lot less than what i would usually do so nice. for a very new iphone i got it cheaper than all the other old iphones that i had back in the day because they're they're like you know like juman juichiman right which is yeah, me speaking japanese yeah. thousand dollars thousand hundred thousand bucks thousand hundred dollars and it's like <laughs> all right it's quite a bit of money up front but this time it was like, i think i paid 800 bucks for it so that was my shopping trip of the week. Yeah, but go, going back to the, to what you're saying, I, I think it's absolutely right about the um, kind of the Apple experience. Hmm. Like, I, I don't think there's any consumer, and, and like it's not surprised that they're they're the most valuable company in the world, right? By market. I'm not sure, but um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so so there's like it's like it's, it's it's not surprising at all. It's like the experience is so seamless, and this is this is not an Apple ad or something, but. Yeah. Um, I guess Apple is one of the companies that I would do free ad for because I, I I really love their stuff and, and and again I think people using Windows or whatever it's like Apple fanboy or something but 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 like um, it's just so seamless and like mm. nowadays even the integration between um, the MacBook and the um, and the iPhone it's crazy like you can go into Word now and like right click and say um, scan scan mm. with iPhone so, so so no wonder scanners are not selling anymore because <laughs> ah, like, it integrates so seamlessly without doing anything. And yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but like a while back, I was I copied something on my computer, mm -hmm. or, or, or the other way around. I copied something on my um, cell phone, and then I, for some reason, hit Control V on my computer, mm -hmm. and it pasted something. I was like, oh, "Wait, isn't this the thing that I copied a while back on my iPhone?" Yeah, and then I realized that the two things are talking to each other without me even knowing about it. I was like, Man, yeah. "That's creepy, but it's also cool." <laughs> and like once you know about it, it's not creepy mm. Be before you before you know that. That they're talking to each other. It's, it's a bit the cool part was like when when I got my for iPad. I think earlier in the year was it just like turn on your iPad and the iPad says wave your phone, place your phone next to your iPad, and suddenly all the well, I don't know if it was like put it next to the iPad or like or just like have the camera aim at it or something at a QR code. Yeah, I think it was just place it and have the two nearby, and suddenly all my details, my iCloud, my you know Apple account details have been sent over and now are active so i don't have to like download any apps everything's like loading up for me all you do is just place the two together yeah no i i think it's amazing like i, I think one of the questions that somebody that, that uses windows or, or android phone or whatever will have is like all right so how many gigahertz or whatever is your your processor speed or or some stuff like that mm -hmm. and that's like the typical example of selling selling features versus selling like things that work like, I have no idea, and I, I don't honestly, I don't care at all. It just works. Mm. I think it, it really depends on a per, on a person here. The one thing I could see from the PC side is, well, the thing is like with with Apple, it's like ready to go out the box. It's great for anyone to the point where you don't have to know anything. You know? Yeah. I would say I wouldn't say it stifles curiosity and learning, but 
obviously if you have a spirit for it you will continue your spirit elsewhere with things outside of the iphone and technology but with the with the pc and microsoft and whatever it's like it, they, <laughs> it doesn't really work exactly out the box you have to learn how to figure things out um I'm again. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Yeah. I, it's not a battle that I choose to partake in because I think it's a damn waste of time. <laughs> but I, I could see, like you know, how some people would like it and uh, appreciate it, or at least are willing to deal with something rather than getting fed like a seamless experience. I, I think it just comes down to a like, personal preference. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And again, I think um, there's definitely benefit in knowing how things work and. We were talking on, on this podcast about this before, about like even stuff like how how things like a toothbrush or something is made. Most people just buy a toothbrush and don't even think about how it's made. Yeah. And, and I think there's something fascinating about trying to learn about how those seemingly mundane things work and are made. Yeah. But at the same time, I also like for me, I guess MacBook is just a it's just a work to use to create Excels. I use it to record this podcast. I use it to, to run the blogs. And for that, I just want things to work frustration free. Yeah. Cause, cause that's how we get work done. Right. It's like, if you have to spend a day figuring out how to connect your computer to a printer, it's, it's a wasted day and it's, it's a frustrating day. Hmm. And, and that doesn't mean that you can't learn how computers work, but hmm. at the same time, if you look at it just as a tool to get work done, um, I, I think it's it's hard to be at max. Maybe this is why uh, the older generation struggles with technology. <laughs> well, and Apple probably caters quite well to them because there is no learning curve. But if, if once you get so used to like not having a learning curve, I guess when you get older, you'll be like, what the hell is this? And how do I get on this hoverboard? And how does it work? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point too. Like if, if, if everything is too convenient, then I think like once you have to actually get, get something done, yeah. And you face some challenge, it will be that much more challenging because because you're used to go everything going so smooth. Yeah. So, so I think you shouldn't aim for like hundred percent convenience, perhaps. I guess. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, still for for I mean, yeah. computers and cell phones, I can't imagine using anything else than, than an iPhone and, and a Mac at this point. I mean, I don't disagree there. Yeah. Although I do have a PC for gaming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, spe- so, so so how's your um? I think last time we were talking about you trying to open a um, a brokerage account. Did, did you okay. make any progress there? Did you? No, 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 no progress. Just yeah. Uh, I guess the easiest thing to do is go to Citibank and remember I sent you like an image, like what you, I asked you about the that robo advisor type of stuff. Yeah. And asked you about it, and uh, I guess I have to, yeah I have to log in and check with that, and I'll do that. I guess hopefully within the week. Nice. I have a lot of pressing things to do. Yeah, I, I just I just remembered it because I was scrolling for Twitter before we were, before we hopped on the call now and um, yeah I was I was looking for some things we might be able to chat about and and I saw something by Ramit Sethi that said um what did he say hey Ram he he likes to repost like um I guess fan mail that he gets especially mm-hmm. uh, what what it said it said um hey Ramit I'm a European reader in less than two years I've managed to save and invest thirty five grand while I have a humble job in the public sector um. 45 grand a year. Mm. I, I mean, 35 grand in, in two years with, with 45 grand a year. I, I don't know if it's before or after tax. I think that makes a huge difference. In any yeah. case, I think it's a nice nice achievement. Oh, that's pretty interesting, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, sometimes we'll, people will ask the question, I'm from this place. Will your approach work here or whatnot? Like, I'm, I'm from so-and-so country in Europe or I'm so, from so-and-so country in Asia. Does your advice apply to me? Does it matter? Yeah, I think that's interesting because a lot of these personal finance books are so general that they apply anywhere, but then they're really hard to execute because you're like, where the hell should I start? Yeah, that was the issue here. Like, you know, I can't exactly open a Vanguard account. Yeah, but 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 then you have a book like Ramit's book, which I think is, again, as I said, probably 10 times here. I haven't read it, but from what I've seen, some interviews with him and from what I've read, some excerpts of the book and about the book and so on. And mm-hmm. do you talk about the book? Uh, it sounds like it's very detailed and it's very step by step. It's like, yeah, open a Vanguard, Vanguard account, stay away from these banks. Yeah. Then it's, it's so action oriented that it's really great because it's really easy to start especially if you're in the u.s but but then it might also seem irrelevant if you're not in the u.s yeah while i still think there's a lot of like the principles are the same right whether it's a vanguard account or like a um sao paulo bank or whatever european bank account or mitsubishi account here or whatever it is the the principle behind it is the same the the money works yeah in in the same way the assets the same way whether you're in japan or you're in europe or in the united states um the the core principles are the same and um, but 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 again it's like when i was talking with with, um i think my sister it's like okay i I should be investing but how do i invest and it's like 
even mm. finding the information of all right so where do i open an account and like what do i buy and how often do i buy it and how much do i put in mm. like those are kind of seemingly easy questions on the surface but they're they're very troubling for a beginner i think yeah i think they can be paralyzing for for many yeah but but yeah, that's kind of how i how i remembered you were talking about them the, the issue of trying to open an investment account as an american living in japan yeah and even like you know like uh, i i would have done it if it was if it was that straightforward but like once i realized all right i can't open a, a vanguard account it's like it, it's if you step outside and if i step outside for myself and you watch the, the process from a third person perspective as i'm sure you can you can you're like all right yeah so you hit a bump like clearly you can't do it but there's another option right so you should go and just do that and that's a simple approach but to a beginner for this for whom this is already stressful and they run into this thing and it's not quite working and then it's you know it's gonna it's you know, like you said it's paralyzing so it's like it's uh, interesting to watch it from the third person because it, you know the more kind of like bumps that you run into especially if you're not particularly confident or know exactly where you're doing it can easily sideline you into like inaction yeah that's something that i i think i used to be i, I used to be like oh this is easy why don't you just do it whether it's it's something like um investing or starting a website or something yeah but i think over the last few years i just realized how even like the smallest things can be really paralyzing in a way yeah. i mean like yeah take something that you haven't done that someone else tells you to do and it's probably the same exact thing just in a different field it, yeah it, it's like if somebody told me cook a lunch and it can be um instant noodles and it can be whatever one of the three or, or go to the gym <laughs> yeah or, or go to the gym it's like all right where do i even start yeah and suddenly for you know yeah it, yeah it is stepping into someone else's shoes it's like and seeing it from the third person it's like yeah it's easy for us to start a website and launch a blog very easy for us to talk about it but like being in the shoes of someone else that hasn't done it before it's it's just a lot of question marks and like what am i even doing do I even know if I'm, what I'm doing is right? It's like trying to speak a new language with no feedback. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the no feedback part is really important because I, I guess if it's something like cooking, then at least I cook something and it tastes really terrible. And I know I'm bad cook and I have to get better. And I try again. And I, and like the, the iteration cycle is, is really short and, and it's really fast, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Whereas with something like gym or something like, um, especially something like long-term investing or starting a website, it's like you get no feedback for a while, for a decade or, or for years, for months. And like you can be doing something and you can be doing the right thing, you can be doing the wrong thing, you will not know. Right. Yeah, I think that not knowing yeah also is a big issue. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the that's kind of the biggest challenge. Is like you start a website and you can be doing whatever you're doing for the first year. Mm whether it's great, whether it's terrible, or whether it's somewhere in between, the the, the feedback will, will be crickets, nothing, for, yeah. for for at least the first few months, um, perhaps in also, the first few year, few years. Right? I guess you could say the same thing like with the, the current YouTube channel that you have and also our podcast. You know, The feedback, in a way, is kind of crickets, minus a few friends that listen here and there. Yeah, exactly. And, and then I guess it's, it, it can be really... Um, in some cases, it can be really discouraging, right? Unless you kind of enjoy the process and, 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 and you're not doing it for the audience. But I, I think a lot of people, when they think about investing, they think about the return. Yeah. They want the return before they even start investing. Or when they think about blogging, they want the, the income, the ad revenue, the affiliate revenue before they even write their first article. Or they start a YouTube, YouTube channel, they, they want the, um, the viewers and like a thousand subscribers before they um, shoot their first video and, and so on. Yeah. And, and, and if you kind of, attack it from that angle I, I think it can be really discouraging because everybody will be disappointed if that's the goal yeah so it is hard even though we say it's easy the easiest the easiest uh way to get a reality check is to look at some place where you're lacking and you're not taking action and it's it's for the same exact reason yeah and you, you also been going to you've also started going to to the gym again right yeah quite recently I think. yeah there's a anytime fitness uh right around the block from me I you know I kind of like the the sports center more, but you know as we talked about the whole limits and like it closes at ten o'clock is preferable. Yeah. But yeah, I've started going. Uh, try to go maybe like four to five times a week, sometimes less. Oh, nice. So 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 before you used to go to like the the Ward Sports Center or whatever. It is. Yeah, it, that and that's one that one is only like fifteen minutes away, like a 10, 15 minute walk, not far at all. Nice. And did, did they close because of COVID or? Last year they did close because of COVID. Um, and so in generally that kind of knocked me off balance and yeah. just didn't do anything. I did, I did buy like a set of dumbbell set at home 
that I used. Uh, but obviously, gym and a place to be at where, you know, to do the thing. A, a specific place for that action is much more preferable than working out at home. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. But I can understand, like, a beginner walking in and be like, all right, what do I do? There's so many machines here. This is so overwhelming. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of my thinking, I guess, in a way. It's not like if, if I didn't have that thinking, I would go to gym. <laughs> not saying that, but I, I think that's part of the thing is like, all right, so I get there. It's like, what, what? do I do next? And like, will everybody laugh at me because I don't even know where to start? There's yeah. how, how the thing works here. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks there, right? It's like, what do I start with? What do I do next? What do I do after that? Yeah, that's what I was, I was kind of thinking of. Because um, I... I Again, even though I should probably, and everybody should, I guess, um, I can't really see myself going to the gym. But, mm-hmm. but I was thinking more of something like taking tennis class or something. It's like, yeah. I, I find it much more, I guess, um, much more approachable, or whatever the right term would be. Okay. Because you kind of go there and, like, they know that you're not, was the time, like, Nadal or something. And, like, mm-hmm. you clearly go there because you don't know how to do it and they're meant to teach you. Yeah. So well, simple. yeah. With the gym, there's no one exactly there unless you stop and ask staff. Yeah, I, I guess you could hire like a coach, but again, I have no idea how that works. Yeah, it's interesting. Like this, no, this conversation just like it really highlights the the whole the how hard it is actually for a beginner to get started, and how easy easy it is to get started and get discouraged. I mean, how easy it is to get discouraged, not easy to get started. And it's just like, and applied it everywhere else. It's like, you know, we, we might be good at one thing that we know left in, you know, from top to bottom, we know, we know it like the back of our hands, but then there are other things that we don't know and we don't do it because of these very same reasons. And it's, it's the same exact reason. We don't know what the hell we're doing. There's no one to give feedback. We've never done this before. And it's like only through like going through a few passes, does it become easier? I was actually thinking similar things like, you know, for anyone that ever started a book or for example, wrote a, started a book, that's going into the blooper for anyone that wrote a book, anyone that started the business, anyone that wrote a song, anyone that built an app, anyone that did a marathon, any of you know, these big kind of big, vague, not, I wouldn't call them vague, but there's just big, large, hard to grasp long-term projects. Very. And like, of course, going to finance, like investing, it's, for anyone looking in, it's just like, oh, I don't know. In my in my case, I see like dark clouds and like <laughs> fuzziness and vagueness, and I don't know what's what. And like, what do you do? And I think every every person kind of feels this similar um, sensation in wherever that they want to try and do, but they have not started because of that, because they're new to it and they have no experience. But for someone that has has like started a, a business, wrote a book, did an app, wrote a song, I don't know, made a movie. Like, if, I guess if you do it a few times, by that eventually you kind of have like a bit of a blueprint in your head as to like what you would do exactly. You know, if in our case, you know, if we were to start a blog, we go to like, I don't know, godaddy.com or bluehost.com and buy a domain and along with hosting and then pay, pay the money, uh, press the install uh, WordPress button and WordPress install. We get our login details. We log in and there's our first blog. And then we go to Upwork. We put a post up a job. And so we already have like kind of this out layout, but I think the most important part is even if you gave this per, uh, a new beginner a blueprint to what to do, like I imagine half of them would do it, but the other half they still because they haven't done they haven't done it. There's still a lot of vagueness and fuzziness and the feeling of insecurity. I think that's why when we talked about I think when we talked about it last week, if like if you had a person sit down with you for an hour and lay out every single step they should take to open up, I don't know, like long-term investments and force you through it, I think that would be a, a really valuable service to a person. I, I would pay a hundred bucks for that. Yeah, actually, I, I just had an idea that uh, it, it would be cool if there was a service that essentially, I, I guess it's essentially a consulting service, but it's like, it's aimed at helping you get through the, for whatever it is for the first time. So, because again, like going back to the, to the watch example of buying a yeah. watch today, it's like I got there and like I look around and there's like hundreds of watches and like it's it's easy to eliminate some right right like mm-hmm. you look at those that cost fifty grand and you're like all right that's <laughs> I'm not buying that I'm I'm sure about that but then even like price is the easiest factor it's like okay you have yeah. some sort of budget and like anything that's above you, you kind of kick out and anything that's too cheap compared to that you you probably want to look at but you're still probably not going to consider it too seriously yeah. But then beyond that, it's like the, the lady there is like, so do you want like quartz watches or do you want a quartz watch or do you want a, um, 
mechanical watch or do you want solar powered one? It's like, uh, like, which one should I, I? I've never even had a watch on my hand. I'm like, so I'm left handed. Should I put it on my right hand? Or it's like, if if somebody like had a 30 minute Skype with me or a 30 minute Zoom or whatever, um, and just told me, okay, if you're buying your first watch, this is the 10 steps you need to know about. This is the mm-hmm. five things you should keep in mind and so on. And again, I know you can kind of Google this and, and read read about this. It's better to have someone walk you through it. Exactly. I like, well, literally take your hand, hold you, and then walk the same steps with you. So then later on, you can do it on your own. Yeah, exactly. Or even somebody that like shares their screen and like goes to some online watch store and like shows you, okay, so these are kind of the best brands. And like this mm-hmm. brand is good because of A, this brand is good because of B. And like this is mechanical watches, and like there's those that you have to find manually, and most of them today are automatic because like when you walk and your wrist shakes, they they wind down automatically and and stuff like that. Yeah, like I, I think that would be a pretty cool service that I'd be definitely yeah. willing to pay. And I would pay for that, you know, a similar consulting fee for a person that sets up your or helps you set up like in, investments for you. Yeah, and. And, and I, I wonder what, because again, I'm sure there's things that do these things, especially with personal finance. I'm sure there's financial, financial planners. advisors yeah. or, or, or planners or, or whatever the right term is. But uh, like, how, how do you find them? Or, or how do you even know that you want to go out and find somebody like that? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Most people don't. Yeah, exactly. Because like, until I went to the store today and started looking around for a, a different watches, like a watch was a watch for me. It's like, it's, it's a thing that tells you time. Yeah. Whether it's your cell phone or your um, your um, television or rice cooker or whatever, as long as it, it's got the time there, that's watched. Mm. It tells you it's ten fifteen now the time, and um, and and that's it. Like unless you realize that there's a universe beyond that, you you can't even know that you you want to hire somebody that will teach you about yeah. that universe. Yeah. I feel like that's the that's part of the bottleneck, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess just to just to mention an update. Um, I think I was saying that I would try to publish more stuff on my aviation website yeah so i went out and um and put an ad on upward looking for aviation writers okay and i always had a trouble hiring writers for my aviation site because like all of the articles essentially all of the articles other than a few um i wrote myself so I, it's your baby it's e- hard exactly so, so it's hard to um kind of leave the work up to, to somebody else mm-hmm. but among all the kind of um spammy applications that you see on upward all the time i'm, I'm sure you You've seen those. Um, I've had a couple of actual pilots apply. Mm-hmm. Um, like one was a one's a Canadian lady that's a that's an um, airline pilot. Oh wow! And another one's a Filipino guy that um, not an airline pilot, but I think he still flies professionally or mm. is a commercial pilot. So um, I'm going to give them both a test article to write, and and hopefully they can contribute regularly. What kind of articles do you hope to post up? So, so far, um, as you know, and as whoever has been to the side knows, um, a, a lot of the articles is just um, kind of my experiences flying different airlines and things like that. Yeah. But I also started adding some um, more, I guess, in a way, SEO-focused articles. So, so just trying to, to go after keywords that people search or that I know mm-hmm. that people search. Um, and I had a writer that I think did a pretty good job, and, and I have a few of his articles on my site. Mm-hmm. But then he disappeared without a trace. So, <laughs> so that's when I, when I kind of stopped investing into content on that site, at least on yeah. kind of like third party or, or somebody else's written content. So, so I hope to go back to that and kind of more general um, air travel and aircraft related stuff. Um, I've had some articles about histories of different airlines, different aircraft types and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and again, it, it's a topic I'm passionate about. So even if I give it to somebody to write, I don't mind spending time um, going through it and editing it and because I get to learn something new along the way. Yeah. So, so that's pretty exciting because, again, I was, um, I think Upwork is, is a very interesting platform because you have all these, like, I don't want to call out certain nations or, or anything, but there's there, there's a lot of people that apply for writing jobs that, that can barely speak English, I think, yeah. which can kind of dilute the, the kind of the hidden gems, I guess you could say. Yeah. But every now and then, like when I post an ad for for a writer for one of my blogs, like at least once every couple of times, there's somebody that I think like, oh, okay, it's it's really cool that I actually found this person because this person's like passionate about the topic and and is a decent writer. So so I kind of have a love hate relationship with the platform because sometimes the the job posts lead to to nothing but spam, mm. to what accounts for spam. Um, and other times you get some really cool people like like this time. I, I was really happy to see like actual pilots apply. Don't don't you have a pilot domain still lying around, or did you let go of that? No, that that was my first attempt uh-huh. at a niche site, but I let it expire. Okay. 
my second or my first, I'm not sure which came first out of those two, was um was a site about home office and um working from home and, and equipment for that and stuff like that. So yeah. If if I stuck to that, I guess um my budget for one be today would have been would have been much higher. <laughs> yeah. It would have been very timely. Exactly. But um yeah, I, I think that's a good example of like you always hear people say, Oh, I had this idea before Facebook or I had this idea before Twitter and it's like all right, it's, it's an idea. It's like unless you actually execute on something and stick to it for for longer term. Yeah, it kind of means nothing. All the, everything is in the implementation and the and the and the dealing it with the setbacks. Exactly, ninety percent of it. Unless it's something groundbreaking. If, if it's something that's like a patent or or some new technology that wasn't here or something, then yeah, good for you. But but even then, again, if, if you're if you weren't the first one to to patent it or to to bring it to market or whatever, then there's many genius people that that um, essentially didn't get their stuff known, I guess. Yeah. Because it takes both the marketing part and kind of the, the genius part, I guess. Yeah. And but, also the market has to be ready for it. Yeah. And, and, and the market needs to be ready for it. But but then for simple things like, like this, I think, um, yeah, the, the execution is the... Yeah. Well, that sounds good. All right. You got some You got some new writers. I, I think in the past, I suggested that you should do like top 10 aviation films or something. I'm pretty sure someone would want to Google that, like movies about planes. And you could put Top Gun as the first one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I should go after some of those topics too. I mean, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. That's All of these are ideas and then who knows how it works out. It might not work out. It might work work out quite well. Yeah, the tough part about aviation is that um, at least at least the stuff that I, that I um, kind of write out of my own interest, like the airline reviews and stuff. Yeah. It, it's really competitive things. Yeah. But... Uh, but they still get some traffic and still, again, as I mentioned a few times, it's not like the site is making thousands of dollars, but it's still making. So you're saying you can allow it to go down in, in a crash? <laughs> no, what I'm saying is there's there's some money to reinvest into yeah, into um, growing it further. And um, I, I don't know if it's because the coronavirus situation is getting better in some areas and also probably um, some Google algorithm um, shuffling around of positions, which is what they love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the traffic on my aviation site seen seen an uptick recently, so that kind of made me think about going back and trying to grow it a bit more actively. Oh uh, yeah, because it, it's my oldest domain, um, and for the people that like link building out there, I think it's got a bunch of good links. Because whether it's some place I've been quoted in before and stuff like that. So in terms of links, I think it's my or, or not. I think it's, it's definitely my best site. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a lot of unique content just because I've taken all these flights and, and written about them and took photos. And it, it's not like um, most niche sites where the writer goes in, researches it, and kind of rehashes the, the stuff. It's, yeah. it's like truly unique content, I think. Or actually flew on a NASA plane. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's there's a lot of unique content. And I think I should leverage it better and, and try to grow it further. Yeah. And you can use it as, you know, also to build your own brand as well because it's, it's part of you as is your personal blog of course yeah and this is the other thing like the, the blog already helped me get a bunch of like consulting work and stuff like that it was a yeah. pretty important tool in that and um so, so yeah no I, I think it would be nice to to put a bit more effort back into the site and um and have it turn into a nicer asset because again like <clears throat> i've been trying to grow the site in the past mm-hmm. and but but then it got affected by google and and I shifted the focus onto some of the other sites. Yeah. But looking back at it, I think this is still one of the best assets that I have to try to try to make the most of it. Definitely. I, yeah, it's good to hear that, you know. Like, and probably also another key point here is like, I guess it's okay to put a project on the side when you have when it's like slowing down and something else is working. But at the same time, it's nice to keep it around because you never know when it's going to you know, start working again. You know, like that's the thing with I. I regret like um letting my old one of my old sites expire, the Japanese one. Yeah. And I'm like I'm pretty sure the traffic would have picked up eventually because a lot of this is just a game of time and uh, timing too. Yeah, exactly. It's game of time and it's it's a game of Google where it's always like fifty fifty in terms of <laughs> going up or down. But long term, I think if you stick to it and if you consistently put in efforts, then 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 you should be good. And, but, but I think there's also the nice part of this type of business with the websites is like, um, like if you're running a dry cleaning or like a, um, I don't know, a restaurant or something. Yeah. It's not that easy to shut it down for a month or for, for half a year or for a year. Yeah. But with a site, like the site can kind of go on autopilot for a few months, for, for a year. And then you can kind of go back to it and start growing it again and, 
and still kind of reap the benefits of what you've done in the past. Yeah. So, so I think in, in that regards, it's, re, it's a really flexible business model. Like, um, like, like there's, there's this site that, that I, I think, you know, that I bought, a, what is it now? Like three years back, maybe. And um, it, it was more of an experiment just in trying to buy a site. And it was a really cheap site. I, I think it cost like $1,600. Okay. And I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and already made the money, all the money back quite a while back. The one that sells an ebook, right? Yeah. And, and I, I haven't touched it in like at least two years, I think. This okay. Month. And it still keeps making like anywhere between 50 and like 100 bucks a month. Hmm. And, and, and again, it's work. Yeah. It's, Continued work. Yeah. It, it, it's like, it's not a groundbreaking amount of money, of course, but, but like when you look at it from the point of view of, all right, it's something that I spent 1500 or $1,600 on three years ago. Yeah. And it still keeps returning like 50 to $100 a month fairly consistently without me ever touching it or maybe because I don't touch it. <laughs> but uh, then, then it's, a, it's a really good return, right? Yeah. At, at least from the percentage point of view. Definitely. Have you ever considered buying the set? I have, but again, when, I guess if we're going to talk about beginner things and beginners being scared of doing things, I am subscribed to the Flippa newsletter and they consistently email email out like whatever latest site that they have on sale. And I looked at it in the past. Nowadays, I've not looked at it at all. But like, I would consider buying one as long as obviously it's well made and it's not shady and it has a particularly interesting domain. Because it's just it's buying an asset essentially, kind of a pre-built asset. Yeah, I, I was recently starting to think about it once again. Cause, cause yeah, I, I guess there's two ways to grow, and one is just to keep publishing new content, or you can kind of buy something that's already up and running. Uh, one of the yeah. one of the things that I'm not sure how I would approach it is um, whether I'd be whether I'd be buying the site to keep it as the site, so I guess in a way unrelated to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Or whether I'd be buying a site to to expand my existing site, so essentially just moving all the content over and merging it together with one of my other sites, because I, mm-hmm. I, I think that might be an interesting strategy to try as well. And I know I know I know there are some people doing it. I've never tried it. I think it might be a worthwhile experiment. The question is, do you have the capacity to handle another site? Yeah, I I, I don't think so. I at, at this point I don't want to build any more sites. Like I, I think I just want to, you know, I have one big site, I have the aviation site, mm-hmm. and that, then I have a couple small sites. Um, the, the site that I was talking about that I bought, that site is kind of just sitting on the side. And um, at, at this, essentially, I bought it as an experiment and paid for itself, and it's still bringing some money. And yeah. at this point, I'm more like, all right, either it's going to keep bringing a um, small amount of money forever, or it's going to um, kind of fade out at some point. But in either case, I, I don't care too much. Yeah. But then the sites that I'm focusing on growing, um, I think like I'm kind of at the limit of almost where I want to sell one of those, one of the small ones um, to, to be able to focus more on. Yeah, that's the thing. Because in, in all our crazy pursuits of trying to do all these kind of things, it's like, do you, do you have the bandwidth for all of it? Yeah, maybe I should try to sell one of the sites. Maybe the, yeah, I have a site that I built from, from scratch and that's making, um, I think anywhere between like 150 and $200 now probably. Mm-hmm. So that can probably be sold for I don't know, six or seven thousand dollars, or maybe more. Um, and uh, may- maybe I should sell that site and buy some site that I can integrate into one of my larger sites. Yeah, that might be an interesting move. But that's why I, you know, that's why I don't tell you like, oh, you should go to the gym, go to the gym, go to the gym, because <laughs> you know all of this. It's hard to tell someone. I mean, in general, you should. It's hard to give advice, but in general, it's like, but. But otherwise, it's like if you're already filled up with your own projects, there's very little chance that you will take on another project. And that's why, you know, I don't say it as much as I would have done in the past. And I don't really tell, you know, I don't really suggest. I like it. I love the gym. <laughs> and it's one of these routines that I would not give up. Yeah. But it's also understandable why someone will not take it up because of the time investment that it takes into this. And if they have other um, obligations that they're not willing to give up. Yeah, exactly. That, that's why I kind of think the, the approach of, um, of buying a site to, to integrate it into one of the existing ones mm-hmm. is, is a much more sound approach than trying to buy a site just to kind of have another site. Yeah. Because I'll have to read up on this a bit and, and see what other people have done. Because I think um, if I can buy a site that, that's making a couple hundred dollars and integrate it into, into the big site, for example, mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a nice experiment. What do you mean by integrate? So... Um, Okay, so so let's say there's there's a bunch of content on my big site, but there's mm-hmm. okay. Let, let's let's go back to the dog site example. Let's say you have a yeah. site that talks about dogs, but maybe it doesn't talk enough about poodles or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
whatever breed. So you go out there and you buy a site that's focused on poodles uh, and you just move over yeah. all the content into your site and create a poodle subsection and redirect mm. all the traffic. And it kind of gives you an immediate boost in, in the poodles. To the main <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so uh, rather than kind of trying to spread yourself too thin, mm. um, essentially rather than having to pay your writers to write 20 articles and then wait until they start ranking and bring in traffic and money, yeah, you just already buy it out of the box. And then rather than keeping it separate as whatever, mycutestpoodle.com you integrate it into your into your um, the ultimate dog guide.com or, or whatever okay that makes sense i think that would be an interesting experiment for you just have to wait until something that's relevant to you pops up yeah that, that, that's one i also i gotta i gotta figure out what this means from kind of the tax perspective um i know that if, if you're doing the blue um, return which i think you're doing too mm-hmm. you can always write off up to three thousand dollars um at, at the same time, at, at one time for, for an asset. So like mm-hmm. if, you buy a th- if, if you buy a site for like 6000 or 7000 or whatever, um, I, I guess you have to depreciate it over time. I don't know. Whereas if you spend that same amount on writers, it's kind of an, a business expense. But I, I, don't, I don't know how it applies to um, like when you buy an asset. Okay. So, so that's one consideration. Well, find out and let us know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that would be a good experiment. I've... Um, I, I always thought this, the model of buying sites is, is pretty interesting. Cause, again, you, you can speed things up. Mm. although they're more expensive i guess rather than paying your writers and yeah. getting the stuff written because it costs what like between anywhere from like 100 bucks for a really bad one to like thousand to ten thousand to a hundred thousand depending on what you're looking at yeah i think generally it's between like i don't know 25 or 30 up to like 40 or 45 times the monthly revenues mm-hmm. so like a side side making um 200 dollars might sell for what are six thousand eight thousand mm-hmm. um and, and, and vice versa i can buy a site for that amount so um yeah, I'm torn because on one hand, I don't want to sell any of my sites because I believe they're assets that will grow over time. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also the argument to be made to, for example, sell the one that I was just saying that makes 150 or, or so dollars a month, um, sell that and buy a different one that fits better with the big one mm-hmm. and integrate it into that. I, th- I think that might be interesting. Although again, um, I also think there's there's benefits in having a few different sites, especially yeah. because of the algorithm and, and the volatility. You diversified across several... Uh topics exactly. google tends to i don't know like at least from the observations that we had earlier like it seems like one industry at a time gets hit yeah i i don't know i i i don't know about how the algorithm updates work it's it's, it's a black box for me yeah. yeah all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning into this side hustles and stuff episode 54 this has been the side hustles and stuff podcast with Kay and yuri talk to you next week talk to you next week